Three years ago today, people worldwide were facing unprecedented uncertainty. The stock market had just taken a nosedive as the COVID pandemic sparked panic across the globe. So, what's changed between that time and the present day? That's what we're exploring in today's Market Moment. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. The hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. This is Matt Walters here with Lee Mackey, Eli Freeman. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good Easter weekend? It was a good Easter weekend. It was great. It was beautiful. I don't think you're allowed to have a bad Easter weekend. I don't know. It's pretty nice. Yeah. It was beautiful weather. It has, it's been cool the last several years at Easter. Yeah. And this year, this weekend was awesome. I, I don't... Yeah, I heard something on the way in this morning that, you know, this was probably a top five day for the year, you know, as far as just no wind, humidity was down, perfect temps. Mm-hmm. And it was Masters weekend. So uh, I spent a lot of this beautiful weather inside watching golf. (laughs) But it was good. We took our little nephews, two and four years old, to the Thaden restaurant that watches the airplanes. And so it was perfect. They could play on the playground, watch planes, eat lunch. So that that was a lot of fun. We were outside most of the weekend as well enjoying it. So today, guys, we're going to jump into – we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, about wanting to do – a podcast on just the three-year look back, right? There's been a lot that's happened over the last three years. I mean, really, I don't. I, th- I think almost anyone can say, no matter how old you are, the last three years have been pretty jam-packed with mm-hmm. historical kind of events and things mm-hmm. that have taken place, maybe more so than any other three-year period. Um, it's definitely at the top of the list or up there. So we're going to kind of talk about some data points and some things that just what, what things look like before 2020. So March of 2020, and then where we're at today, and then if we need to, we're gonna we're gonna even use next week to kind of dive into a little bit more detail um, as to what exactly happened and where we're at. So just to kind of start things off, you know, everybody likes to use the S and P 500 as that's kind of the default benchmark for when people are quoting the stock market. So if you look at where the S and P 500 was. In February of 2020. So I think the high was February 19th of 2020. Right before COVID. Right before COVID. So this was when like COVID was a thing, but it hadn't become an issue here in the U.S. Like you'd heard the word COVID, but it was kind of like China and COVID in the same sentence. It wasn't like, hey, people are getting sick that I know. And mm-hmm. then this starts to happen. And people were still traveling internationally yeah. at that time. Yeah, I mean, nothing had shut down. And then bam, February 19th happened. And the market sold off quickly, right? I think every, you know, the, all the major indexes were down pretty much 30 plus percent mm-hmm. over the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, where we're at today from the February 19, 2020 levels in the S&P to today, the market is, is cumulatively up a little over 21% over that, you know, three-ish year period. Mm-hmm. So any initial thoughts on that? Just looking at the S&P 500 and what's happened and then we can get into kind of some different points 
over that time frame. I mean, th- this speaks to, and we talk about this all the time, probably to the point where our listeners are, are tired of it. It speaks to taking emotion out of investing because the, the easiest thing to, to have done during that COVID time, looking at this, knowing it's up 21%, looking back three years, it's easy to say, yeah, I would have stayed invested. But when COVID happened and the world shut down, who knew what the economy was going to look like three years from then? And it was much easier to sell than it was to, to hold on. So just it speaks to being able to stay invested through some really difficult times. You know, we, we throw the word around, you know, a lot unprecedented. Mm-hmm. You know, we use that and oftentimes <laughs> it it's not applicable. But I think in this case, you know, we've never shut down an economy to where – you know, there were no restaurants open, no stores open, planes weren't flying, trains weren't going. I mean, it truly was an, an unprecedented period of time. And, the, and one of the things or one of the things that I look back on and think about, you know, February and March of 2020 is it really happened so fast. Yeah. I mean, it, it was one of those where, you know, you, you saw some signs late February, early March, and then you blink and portfolios are down 15 20 percent and then you blink again and it's um like you said everything was down i mean three 30%. weeks yeah i mean your you know if you're just tracking the s&p or whatever you know you were down a third yeah in less than a month mm-hmm. which is to eli's point emotionally that can be pretty taxing yeah. and yeah. that can really stress stress and, and your, i think during that time people's attention were so not on their portfolios sure mm-hmm. i mean it was on their health and protecting their families and so i think even though i think they were aware i think their stock portfolios and their investment accounts were just not front and center Mm -hmm. in what they were thinking when so many people you know you either get a monthly or quarterly statement a lot of people like that's that's their update and they may not go dive into it only if or until they see that Mm -hmm. and so you know two three months later things that have recovered for the most part, mm-hmm. if not completely, depending on how you were invested. And so um, a lot of people, you know, didn't didn't even really know for them personally how bad it got until after the fact. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a probably a really good thing and took some of the emotional decision making out. Of it. I mean, if you look at where the S&P was at, so it was trading around 3,400 pre-COVID, got down to around 2,250, and now we're at like 4,100, mm-hmm. right? And so... Um, definitely some big moves over the last few years in terms of just where the S&P is traded at. Now, if you tie that into, you know, some of the historical valuations of the S&P 500. So if you look at like the forward PE ratio, Mm. trailing PE ratio, however you want to look at it, um, both today and kind of historically, and then the high of where it got post COVID, Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting as well. So, Eli, you want to jump into kind of some of the PE numbers and just kind of historically where the S&P has been, where we got as a high, and then where we're at today. Yeah, this and this is pretty interesting. If Price to earnings is just their the company's price relative to the amount of earnings that it has. And we have this statistic for individual companies, and then we have it for the total S&P 500. And so if you look at the S&P 500 price to earnings in January of 2020, it was right around 24. If you go back to 2019, it was about 19. So from 19 to 20, we had an increase. Now, at the very beginning of 2023, we're right around 20, 21 dollars of price to earnings. Right. And so 
in between 2020 and today, you saw a huge increase. In 2021, it was at 35. Right. Just a huge increase in price to earnings. But we're back to where we were basically just three years ago. Yeah. So to see a spike or a decline like quickly when you're looking at PE ratio, obviously you need one of the two variables to move Mm -hmm. in one direction much quicker than the other, right? So you need price to really go up much, much quicker than earnings does, or you need earnings to drop much, much quicker and price kind of holds steady or something to move. If they move in tandem, right, theoretically, I mean, it'd be kind of pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. And so we saw this huge spike in in asset prices, stock prices that kind of got ahead of earnings. And then where we're at today, right, we've seen seen some of that come down. We've seen the stock market go down. We've also seen earnings hold up, but they've started to come down. And so from a historical perspective, we're still kind of on the higher end, but we're back very much within kind of a normal range of where you would think we could be. Well, and actually pretty kind of going off of what you just said, I did a trend line. So going back from 1988, that's when I could find data back to until today and did just the trend line price to earnings trending from 88 till today. We're just below what would be considered the 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 trend trend line. Yeah. So is that something that's a big data point that you should make any decision off? No, it's just interesting to know that we're right about what trend is. You know, I think that you know, for those of us who watched it, you know, during COVID, we knew that, you know, a PE multiple of near 36 at the beginning of 21 was not sustainable. Right. Um, I mean, you had businesses that were shut down. I mean, you you had, you know, think about the two primary, you know, you, you think of hotels, cruises, and airlines, you know, received so much bailout money. I mean, they had no earnings, zero yet their stock prices were going up, you know. And so you had a period during this time where everybody enjoyed watching their investment portfolios go up, but but you knew when you saw numbers like this, it it was not going to last. Mm -hmm. We just didn't know when, you know, the shoe shoe would drop. And I I was looking at, like, I was looking at uh, price to book, price to sales, price to earnings yield, price. I was looking at all these metrics, and, we're kind of back in line with like like you were just talking about mm-hmm. Eli, like where the trend line would have been, yeah. right? And so um, things got crazy, and and for many different reasons. Um, and, and, and we were above trend line just a year or two ago. We were we were much more sure because of the big what, what yeah would be the trend line the outer line spike that we saw. Well, um, it was just you know it, it was a period you know it was like a two year period where you don't want to call it fake. But there was just it was artificial. It was a head fake, and that's why the, you know you see a lot of people talking about year over year inflation data. Mm-hmm. Well, that can be misleading because inflation and y- any year over year data can be super mm-hmm. kind of complicated to make <laughs> sense of because you're looking at it in a year last year that was just things were crazy, and the year before that, and so um, you know, m- m- for example, money supply, money supply for the first time in decades is actually trending down which hardly ever happens quickly. Well, it happened because it exploded, right? right. The empty money supply literally <laughs> exploded. And so naturally we're trending down at this point. They're trying to tighten things back up. So you can't look at that as like, oh, that's a that's a really negative thing. It may or may not be, but we're coming off, a, off of literally a historical high in terms of money supply and a spike. So I, I really like, and I'm, I'm here chuckling because Matt called it a head fake. 
And it's kind of funny because if you look at the S&P 500 chart, it almost does look like someone is on the football field and did a head fake. On 2021, 2022, they just brought their head right over and then brought it right back yeah. to, to where we are today. So if you start looking at some of the more some of the consumer-related data um, with savings and spending and mm-hmm. debt, Eli, I know you pulled some of this data down for us. Well, I have, I have a question for yeah. both, both of you guys before we delve into the numbers. In your opinion... Do you think the consumer, the average consumer, is better now than they were three years ago or worse off? What are your What are your guys' opinions? Generally, like yeah. if I was just to say my mm-hmm. feelings, I would say worse off. Okay. What do you think, Matt? I would say the same. And and why? No, not the same as Eli. I would say they're the same. They're as the they same. Were. So Eli, you're you're you're. I would say in some respects, better. So we've got all three. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Eli, what are, what's your take on you? You said they're a worse off as a general rule. Yeah. Why do you say that? It, and this may be a little bit more than just three years because you asked specifically in three years. But I was talking with my father-in-law this this last weekend, talking about when he graduated college and and the time frame of salaries. And we were talking about what what does a car cost relative to salary? What does a house cost relative to salary? Cars were about a fourth of a starting salary. Houses were about double starting salary. Now rates were higher. Than, than they are today. But today, a starting salary out of college would be 50,000, 60,000, most of the, maybe 70,000 for a good job. And to buy a new car, it'd be 30, 40,000. And then to buy a house, you're looking at, at least around here, 250, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. So five times the starting salary. So if you, if you ask me, consumers today, are they better off than what they were previously? I don't think so. And I think this is, that's an interesting point because it is, it kind of depends on which stage of life you're in. You know, a lot of podcasts I talk to are, and you've heard this over the last year as they've been increasing rates. It's like, this is a horrible time to be a first time home buyer relative to what it's looked like for the past decade. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Rates are higher. Um, now that, you know, the job market's kind of tightening. I mean, they're, spe- they're, they're trying to tighten the labor market. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, that's happening while rates are rising. So if you're coming out of school looking for a job, you know, I can see how someone feels like that. It's kind of like coming out in 2008, right? You're graduating during the middle of a recession. Um, so, but if you're someone who has a stable job, who locked in low debt, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, I can definitely see where you'd be like, hey, things are pretty good. Like, You know, and I, I think so. And where I kind of come off with thinking they are somewhat better, it gets income levels are higher. Um, but I think it is your point of reference. If you've locked in a mortgage, if you've you know been able to control your debt, um, we are spoiled. Northwest Arkansas is probably not a good snapshot of what the rest of the country no, it's is. It's a horrible snapshot. Um, <laughs> but but I think that there are pockets, and there are some people that are better off. Um, that that were smart during COVID. It's just know? so personal because like you have someone who's who's maybe making minimum wage, right? Um, or kind of in that salary, that earnings bucket, their income has hopefully, likely, it's gone up quite a bit, mm-hmm. right? The hourly rate, wage rate has, I know, increased around here by quite a bit. The the counter side of that is is if that's someone who hasn't purchased a home and they're leasing, right? It's gotten pretty expensive. Yeah. We're trying to find a, a nice place for reasonable is really tough right mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. so I do think it just kind of like to reiterate what we were just saying, it's very personal, Um and probably get a very different answer for each and every person you yeah. ask. Well, that's why I wanted to a- ask that before we looked at the numbers. 
Um, so what do the numbers tell us from three years ago? I'm also predisposed to, I was working on the data here before hopping on this call. Yeah. And so, or on the podcast. And so if you look at three years ago, the personal savings rate, this comes from the federal reserve, Mm -hmm. the bank, the federal reserve bank three years ago, 2019, we were just shy of personal savings rate being around 10%. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. People have a hundred percent of income coming in. They're about 10%. Today at the what's this January of 2023 saving rates are less than 5%. So half of what they were three years ago, meaning people's balance sheets, their in- income to expenses is getting stretched. What do you attribute? I mean, what do you attribute that to inflation? Yeah. I mean, I, it's not wages because if, if you want a job, you can find a job. I mean, you know, yes, they're shrinking it, but yeah, there's still know, openings and they're still hiring. You, you go to a restaurant around town, you know, we were in one a couple of days ago and we were told it was about a 15 to 20 minute wait. And no, no lie, I think that the restaurant was 10% full. They had no servers. So I think that this statistic that Eli just talked about, I think it is a direct byproduct of the inflation. The other, product. I, I 100% agree. I think there's no disputing that. The other part of it, though, I think as consumers in America, like, I mean, there were habits that were quickly formed during COVID oh, 100%. and the money that was given out point. that aren't quickly given up. Right. And I think we've still haven't felt the full kind of um, ramifications of that from people, you know, they use some of the funds and I'm not like speaking down on this. It's just the reality of that. They use some of the money they got to, maybe they couldn't afford a boat, but now they all of a sudden they had a down payment on a boat. Well, that's oh. great, but now you still have the payments. And so when that cash dries up, Right. You're getting that payment from somewhere and most people are going to take it from savings, not something else. And that's a basic example. But. In, in some respects, it feels like it was yesterday and others. It feels like it was 20 years ago. But I don't even remember what monthly payments were. But wasn't it six hundred dollars per person? Something, something like that. Like, yeah, so you had some for a car loan. Is that what you're no, no, I'm talking about from the government over the, the stimulus that they that, were sending. Out I mean, so you had you had families of four that were getting another couple thousand bucks a month. Couple, yeah. Yeah. And you're right. You'd love to think that these people didn't change their standard of living, that all went into savings, but people spend it, yeah. you know? And so I, I see your you point. You get used to something sure. or you went out and bought something that felt like it was affordable at the time that now when that money goes away, it's not quite as affordable mm-hmm. and inflation has gone up. So groceries are higher, gas is higher. So that becomes really tight. And so th- that number, albeit it's not good, like it's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's there's that side of it, which is, in in my opinion, when you're describing that person, you're probably describing someone who's locked in a mortgage, right? They're doing okay for themselves and and have income coming in that's enough to go out and buy a boat. Mm-hmm. And then there's the portion of people, which is, I don't know, 30, 40 percent of our country, that is still renting and wouldn't even have a, a stick to throw at to go buy a boat. And their rents over the last three years went up 20, 25, 30 percent just in the last three years. Did their income go up that much? I no. don't know. It's gone up, sure, but it hasn't gone up drastically. You know, we've been looking um, for my mother-in-law, a place up here in Northwest Arkansas to rent. And in the two months or so that we've been actively looking, we've looked at certain apartment complexes in that two-month period. They've increased their rent a couple times, yes. mm-hmm. you know, two or three times, you know, just trying to keep up. And, and here's the deal. They're building apartments in Northwest Arkansas as fast as they can put them up, the and they're full, yeah. and yeah. they're full. So they can, 
they're obviously not charging enough because <laughs> people are still paying it. <laughs> what is the the skit where he goes and it's gone and yeah and it's gone <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's just been so much that's changed. We didn't even get into like the, you know, the um, mortgage rates and where they're at, Mm -mm. where they're at pre-pandemic, where they're at today. And Eli, credit card rates, I mean, not credit card rates, but balances. I mean, are credit card balances running more than they have been in the past? And credit card balances are up, yes. Yeah. I think the more important statistic to look at is income going to consumer debt. And it's basically exactly where we were pre-pandemic pre-pandemic in 2019 you were at about 5.6 5.7 percent of income going to consumer debt Uh today we're at about 5.7 okay so and we know we know incomes have gone up Mm -hmm. so that goes to show you that credit card balances are probably higher Mm -hmm. rates are higher and the interest is higher yeah right so servicing that debt is more um and so yeah, I mean, corporations, individuals, corporations, it's all, we're, everybody's in the same boat. And if you, if you were somewhat lucky and or smart or just in the right stage of life where you were able to lock in long-term fixed rate debt sure. a few years ago, things feel very different than if you are in a situation where you're needing to buy a larger asset, you're needing to borrow money today. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's completely out of your control. It's literally about like, when, well, when are you graduating college? Yeah. Or when, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, that just goes to, there's a lot of investment books that talk about luck. Oh, yeah. And the luck of retiring in the correct time frame. Yeah. Or, you know, we'll talk about it more, I hopefully, because I love this looking back in this conversation. But it, in some respects, it does feel like it was so long ago. But a year ago, a year ago, we were all still wearing masks. In a lot of places, and you know, and I thought about it over the weekend, watching the Masters. You know, no one was wearing a mask, and then they showed a couple Masters from a year or two ago, and a there were no crowds. Yeah, you know, and then b when you had crowds, people were masking up. So it's it just we've come a long way. Um, Our pastor joked at church on Sunday. I mean, everybody they had to ask everybody to scoot in, mm-hmm. and they're like, the good thing about this request is that. COVID's over. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody's skewed in, <laughs> yeah. right? And so it was weird. It's just crazy to think about. It was almost like a science experiment that we just went through. It's kind of what it feels and like. And, you know, and, and there have been some things that have been, you know, changed for good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about it every time you go to a sporting event, a concert, anywhere where you go to a concession stand, you know, you never have to take cash anymore. You know, everybody can now pay with either cards, their phones, their watches. I mean... They you also know, ask for tips. They, they do. They do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Be cool. The old iPad turn. That's around. another. That's that's the piece of. <laughs> yeah. That's the piece of inflation that you weren't wasn't um, expecting. <laughs> Everybody the, wants a tip. You're tipping the, a person that gives you a candy bar. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I think next week we'll dive into this because I think this is a really good conversation, and we'll dive into a little bit more, um, kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, with some of this data that we've referenced today, how it took place, why it took place, and maybe breaking down the timeline a little bit more. But, guys, any parting words today as as we've kind of spent the last 20 or so minutes just kind of looking back over the last three years? Um, you know, I, think, I think one of the things that Eli said at the very beginning, you know, we've said it before, you will continue to hear us talk about is taking the emotion out of investing. Um, it just – you you can't you cannot act reactively to external events you know whether it's good or bad um if things are great 
you know, you don't need to change your risk tolerances just because the stock market's going up and vice versa. And so, you know, Eli's advice is something that we, we talk to a lot of our clients about is, you know, don't get emotional when it comes to your money. Yeah. Should that be our thought of the day? It could be. Eli Freeman. Don't stay, get emotional. Stay at a seven. Yeah. Listen to last That's week's right. stay at a seven. We, we, we like to end with a quote, and this week's quote was from the renowned Eli Freeman. Elijah Freeman. Yeah. I actually don't have a thought of the day, so we're going to end on that. But as always, we appreciate you listening to The Market Moment, and we look forward to you joining us next time. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Rogers, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Third-party ratings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client, nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss, including the loss of principal. Actual account results may have been higher or lower than the results mentioned, depending on an individual's investment timing, cash movement, size of the account, and client restriction. Past performance is not indicative of future results. For full disclosures, please see mock-onefinancial.com slash disclosures.